GNN Guardian News Network. I can kill you with my brain. I can kill you with my brain. Oh, you think Dark is your ally? You really adopted the dark. I was born in it. GNN Guardian News Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guardians of all ages, this is your host, Mr. Green, for the first ever Guardian News Network podcast, the GNN. Our first episode is mainly going to focus on a Destiny Year One recap. We're also going to get in into the 2.0 patch that was released today on the 8th. Um, it's a huge patch, downloading now onto my Xbox One. But before we venture off into a new adventure into the darkness, I want to just look back on all the fun we had over the first year here in Destiny. From those who participated in the Alpha, the Beta, or even Year One, which some may say was even the Beta itself, right? Everybody knows Destiny is a very polarizing game. Those who love it stand by it. Those who hate it really harp on little things, such as there's no storyline. It's just repetitive. It's a loot grind. You know what? They're kind of right, right? There's not a lot of story to the game, but the beauty in it, I believe, is that it leaves it up for the fans themselves for interpretation itself, right? There's a lot of lore into those grimoire cards. If you actually take time and read those, it's actually a beautiful world that they've created here at Bungie. I mean, the hype train was real, right? When this game first was announced, everybody was like, holy shit, right? This game is going to be phenomenal. It's the next big thing. Like, Halo, what? Master Chief who? Like, who gives a fuck about those guys after this game comes out? It's an MMO for the console, console generation, right? I'm a huge World of Warcraft guy myself. Uh, Blood Elf to the day I die, right? Horde for life. I mean, I love MMOs, right? That grind for loot, the community aspect of it all. It's freaking awesome, all right? When I heard this game was coming out, it took my two loves and kind of combined them into one. Right, we have first person shooter, MMO. Right? They're gonna have raids as a shooter as well. Holy shit, this is gonna be awesome. Right? When I first popped it in for the beta, I was like, holy crap, character creation screen. I went EXO right off the bat. Picked Titan right off the bat. Why? Because he's a big hulking person. He's ready to fucking smash people's faces in. I was pumped. Right? Got into the game. I was like, this is a very smooth running game, right? For as much as it's going on, might not be the prettiest of games, but by no means is this game ugly. And then we popped in the story. I mean, we got to that first Archon. Um, it was it was kind of a big surprise. You're like, holy crap, this is like a boss battle right here in the middle of the world, and I can do this with a whole fire team. That's kind of cool in its own right. Right? There's different people walking around the world. When I first popped it in, actually, once the game came out in September, uh, two years ago now, um, as soon as you pop in the world, there's people there with you. And you turn to the side, and they're bringing up their ghosts. 
Uh, you bring up your ghost. You're like, how do I interact with you? This is crazy. And then once you figure that out, I actually joined up a few people and we created a fire team and played a lot of the early story missions together. It was it was very cool. It was unlike any other game that I ever played before. Um, it kind of sucks you right into kind of that community aspect right from the get-go. And without that community support of this game and kind of community aspect, this game wouldn't be what it is today, right? Uh, we progressed through the story. Um, not a lot happened in the story, right? There's a lot of cool levels to go through, a lot of cool stuff going on. But you're kind of like, eh, you're not explaining anything, right? Uh, there's the Traveler, there's the Darkness, but really what is all this, right? Regardless, I kind of fell off into this game uh, midway through, probably around 16, level 16 or level 17, where I kind of lost interest in it for a while, right? And went and played a couple other games, but that voice in the back of my head kept going back. It was like, hey, let's go try Destiny again, let's go try Destiny again. Right? I pop it in, I'll play a couple Crucible matches. Crucible is very fun. For those that hate on Crucible, for all the imbalances that there may be with guns, um, just other little quirks of it that don't work maybe perfect, go to hell, right? No game is perfect, right? Show me Call of Duty, and I'll, I'll point out a whole bunch of different flaws for Call of Duty, right? At least it's not the repetitive shit show that is Call of Duty right now, right? But coming back in and getting sucked back into Crucible, which is my main, was my main game type PvP, then I found a couple friends of mine that I didn't even know were really into Destiny. I was like, oh shit, you play Destiny as well? Like, yeah, we actually need one more for our fire team to start running some of those advanced strikes, maybe even try the Volt of Glass. I was like, what the fuck is the Volt of Glass, right? Then I looked into it. Holy crap, this is a six-person event that you have to go into and conquer, right? The beauty of the game is well, you get in there, has no instruction, right? As a team, you gotta figure it out, right? As a team, we work together, hit the sink plates, finally got it built up, then you go inside. You're like, holy crap, where are we going, right? There's no markers to go to. Little uh, words pop up on the bottom left hand of the screen, just letting you know the new areas you travel into. But that's the, it's so it's so fun to get in there and actually adventure through a game with your group without having a linear path that you must go through, right? Eventually it is it is a linear path, don't get me wrong, but it's not saying, oh, now go to this marker, now go to this marker. This is what you have to do to beat this person, right? It's, it's, just, it's very refreshing in a game where it's not forcing you to go to a certain spot at a certain time, right? And even outside of that first raid that we did, there's people just traveling around in the world itself, right? They're on Venus patrolling, doing missions, doing parts of the story. They can even follow in, right, and help you out on the sink plates if they wanted to. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And by finding that initial group to actually run these events with is what really drew me back into the game, right? I've been addicted since. I have well over a 1,000 hours built into this game. Um, I was a Titan through and through. I was going to run one character. But then I was like, eh, let's see what these other characters do as well. And I ended up making a Hunter as well as a, a Warlock as well, right? So I got one of each of those. I really just wanted to be able to play the game from every point of view, right? Whether it be the Defender Titan, the Striker Titan, um, straight attack mode with either Gunslinger or Blade Dancer, right? Even Blade Dancer is more of that support role, right? If you need me to go invisible, then you can kind of maneuver your way around things and really be that hero of your group and get the, that clutch revive that you guys do need, 
right? Or Warlock, last second self-res. Holy crap, that's some of the most intense aspects of the game, right? Especially during nightfalls and stuff like that. Once you kind of hit that off, at least for the first couple of times, you're just like, holy crap, you were the greatest. You were the hero of our group. And that's kind of my introduction into Destiny, my reintroduction into Destiny, per se. The game always sucks me back in. It's the most fluid game I've ever played. I mean, it, it really allows you to immerse yourself as these characters. The Hunter, the Titan, the Warlock. You get to act out all these different big events and different roles and get, get a feel for the game from a lot of different point of views, which is really cool. And a lot of games have a lot of different classes and stuff, but it never really feels like it's a different game. All these characters make this game its own unique experience. And we're gonna pause here for a second for station identification. GNN, Guardian News Network. Once again, guys, make sure you're following me on Twitch. Um, Twitch handles Joysticks and Barbells, right? So it's twitch.tv backslash Joysticks and Barbells, all one word. Follow me on Instagram as well, Joysticks and Barbells. On iTunes, make sure you guys um, hit a subscribe, also leave a review. Big thing is reviews, guys. Make sure you hit that review, positive or negative. Let me know how I'm doing, right? It's, my first, it's the first episode. Um, I'll take all criticism. I'll read everything. You want to email me or send me a note, I'll respond to everything on the comment page. Now that you know my introduction into Destiny, how I started myself, um, and how long I've actually been playing it, right? Like I said, over over a thousand hours. That's a lot of time to be immersed, whether it be on the Cosmodrome, Venus, Mars, just sitting in raids down those little dark pits in Hellmouth, right? $500 million was the initial budget of this game. It has a 10-year life cycle planned out for it. There's star power behind it throughout the voice actors. Um, one of my favorite, actually, voice actors is in this game, uh, Nathan Fillion. Uh, a lot of you guys might know him from Firefly. One of my favorite shows as well. Throw it out there. Um, but he's Cade Six, right? The Hunter Vanguard. And just going in and hearing him talk, you're just like, holy crap. I know who that is, right? It gives that guy just more depth, and it's just it, it makes it really, really cool. Another major name, and how, I mean, how do I not even start off with him? The Dinklebot, Peter Dinklage himself, right? With memorable but corny lines such as, you've awoken the hive, right? Um, he, he's pretty much a door opener, right? A, a little a little companion next to your side that mainly could just open doors and just kind of spit out a couple scripted lines here and there for, to kind of further, further the actual lack of story, all right? Um, I like Peter Dinklage. I liked the Dinklebot. I'll be sad to see him go. Right? We do have Nolan North replacing him this year. A little bit more excited about this. Not for the fact that it's Nolan North versus Peter Dinklage. Um, I would have preferred Peter Dinklage, actually. But Nolan North uh, being able to commit a little bit more time to it. Uh, the ghost itself is going to be a little bit more of a item in Destiny, right? It's going to have a little bit more character. It's going to have more functionality within the game. So you're going to need somebody to actually be able to spend a lot more time, have a lot more lines, um, and be available for new content to come out. Just a couple other names to put out there. Gina Torres does a great job as a Cora Ray, right? The Warlock Vanguard. Uh, Lance Reddick, Commander Zavala, right? The Titan Vanguard. Very intimidating voice he has. Lenny James, a, a big-time TV actor, guys, uh, does a great job as Lord Shax, right? The Crucible Handler. Um, then we got Peter Stormare, right? Araka Jalal, myself, I'm a dead, dead orbit guy myself, so I listen to this guy a lot of the time, right? Everybody's 
most hated person in the game probably is played by Eric Avari, right? Master Rahul, the Cryptarch, right? He does a great job with that soothing voice he has, kind of that, oh, he's a nice guy, but you know what? He's the biggest dick in the game, right? He's an ass. He will take your exotic emblem, I mean your exotic Ingram, and turn it into a, a... a legendary item, right? It's an exotic Ingram, buddy. They don't come by very often. Give me something good. Or just stop giving me Dragon's Breaths and No Land Beyonds, right? I'm, I have enough of them, right? Uh, recently, we actually saw this lady actually get taken away from the tower, right? Claudia Black playing Tess Everest, right? She was taken away, but a lot of people see it as a sacrifice that needed to be done because as soon as Tess was taken, guess what our squid face buddy Zersol, right? Gallahorn. So, right? Maybe she was sacrificed to be able to sell Gallahorn, right? Maybe that was Zer's asking price to be able to sell it again, you know? Uh, then, you, then you actually do get to Zer, right? Who is Zer, right? He's an agent of the nine, um, very mysterious character. Actually, if you look at the mystery of Skolos, right? Great little grimoire card. I'll go over that, uh, some of the cooler grimoire cards later on in some of the later episodes, but Read the Mystery of Skolas card, right? It talks about Zer a little bit there, who's actually played by Fred Tadaschiori, right? Um, he's the voice actor for our favorite weekly vendor, um, Zer. And actually, one of the more memorable voices, um, before I get off this, uh, just because there are so many talented voice actors in this game, right? Um, D. Bradley Baker. Right? A lot of you might know him from American Dad. He's the voice of Klaus, the little fish that will talk. Uh, but yeah, he's the voice of Klaus. Uh, he has some roles in Clone Wars as well. He's also a voice in Avatar. Um, it, like I said, this game has a lot of star power behind it in voice acting. Um, and and it, it goes a long way, right? For the lack of the story that this game has, with these voices behind a lot of these characters, it gives them depth in its own right. You're like, holy crap, That I know that voice from somewhere. This is a cool sounding voice. It's not just the generic robot voice. I am Lord Shax. I am your crucible handler, right? That wouldn't be really cool, right? But Lenny James does a phenomenal job at it, right? You hear his voice throughout the game, whether you're talking to him, playing crucible. Um, it's just, it it adds a lot of value to the game itself, right? For the lack of story, they do make up for a lot of it with the money they invested in the people that are actually performing. And now we just can't sound good, right? We gotta look good as well. And Destiny does a great job, right? The artistic um, style of Destiny is very good. Uh, everything moves very fluidly in the game. Like I was saying earlier with actually movement, the items move very well as well, right? The animation of a lot of the guns is really cool. Um, a lot of the guns are a lot of reskins. Um, the Warlock chests as well are a lot of reskins. But as a whole, the game looks great, right? The one thing holding it back is you damn Xbox 360 and PS3 players. You damn you all. Just upgrade already, people. Come on, you're holding this all back. Um, you can trade it in. I mean, jump to that next gen, guys. Um, once everybody gets over to next gen, we kind of kind of leave those 360 PS3 players behind. They're going to be able to add a lot more graphically to the game, right? The animations are there. The look is there. We just got to make that next jump into the next graphical uh, stratosphere, right? Go ahead and give off my favorite animation of the game, last word, right? When you pop that bad boy out, that, sw- that sw- swivel of the gun, and then just the pop down, pop down, oh, the fire rate, that gun is amazing. It looks beautiful. I mean, even the guns in the game, right? There's a lot of detail actually broken down into the look of the gun if you look on it. 
Um, even down the barrel, you don't even you can't even see the really the side of the gun most of the time. But the angle it's at on screen, you can tell that design goes all the way down it, right? It's amazing, they look great. You can tell they spent a lot of time on it and it shows. We're gonna go over next um, biggest questions that we kind of have about the story, right? What exactly is the traveler? Like where did it come from? Um, can you go to can you go to the traveler? Right? Is it just floating there? What if you what if you go up to it? Right? What happens? Um, anyways, uh, also who who is the stranger? The mystery of it is uh, very enticing. Right? It makes you really want to know more. But throw us a bone, Bungie. Like what? What's next? Like who is this person? They're a main focal point of your skin and bone story per se. Um, give us a little bit more of it. Right? Hopefully with the Taken King coming out, um, they've promised a lot more in-depth story of this. Um, ho ho hopefully they actually come through with it, right? I really hope this game um, can build on what it had in its first year. Right? The story, there is much to be desired, but like I went over earlier, the mystery of it was kind of the, the draw to it as well. Right? It, it gave the fans an opportunity to kind of build their own ideas of what's happening in the world. Right? what what everybody is, who everybody is. Um, maybe there's hidden agendas, like the Cabal, right? You don't see them ever fighting another race in the game, right? You only see us going to attack them, right? So are they a threat to us? Who knows, right? Um, the Fallen in the Hive, right? Maybe, I mean, maybe they're coming to kill the Traveler because maybe it's actually bad, right? Maybe we are the darkness. But, I mean, like I said, it leaves a lot up to interpretation. Um, hopefully they can build upon the story, guys. Uh, just some of the biggest questions I had was, who is this, who, who is the stranger? Um, who are they talking to, right? Who do they keep talking to over the over their comms? We know they can travel through time, right? So they have Vex technology, but how do they get it? How how, how do we harness that power? Um, do we meet somebody high up um, in the Vex? Hierarchy? Um, do they have somebody who knows all their secrets? Somebody who does the programming for them? Because they're machines, right? They're an alien entity that um, is animated through machines, right? There's that 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 white goo that comes out of them. It's kind of their membranes. Um, but they are living. They are living entity, right? But they do portray themselves through machines. So how do how do we learn this technology? How do we become able to harness it? Um, why is she coming back to help? What is the event that she's coming back to help us prevent, right? Obviously, there's some distinction level event type thing that does happen where, there, where she has to come back in time to try to help us prevent it, right? So, I mean, there's cool things um, to kind of look forward to or to try to figure it out. That's my one big question of the game. Other thing would just be, who, who, is the, who are the nine? Like, why is there such a mysterious person? Um, who are these guys? I mean, he's kind of a powerful entity. Like I said, check out that mystery of Skolas Grimoire card. Um, it's really cool. He has a lot to do with Skolas being um, let free, right? So is he actually good? Is he bad? What does he do with all those strange coins? Like, it, is it what is that currency for? Because we obviously only need it for him. What does he use it for, right? What, is, that, is that like their currency as a whole, as a race? What race is he, right? Eventually, will we be get... Will we be able to play as one of them? And what is one of them, you know? Um, other than that, guys, uh, those are some of my big questions I have in the game. I mean, there's only two, I know. Um, 
leave in the comments what you might have questions about. Maybe we can talk about it over the, uh, the next episodes. Uh, or we can just kind of delve into them a little bit, uh, research it for you, and then I'll look up, see if I can find anything on it. Next up, boys and girls, we're going to talk about in-game content, right? Destiny's big drawing factor for myself, and I know a lot of other dedicated guardians out there, right? We got raids, we got Prison of Elders. My new favorite, actually, activity in the game itself is Trials of Osiris, which in itself is in-game content for us PvP players, all right? But let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, original in-game content, Bolt of Glass, right? Phenomenally laid out activity for the game, right? It's a six-man fire team, all right? It's a raid in itself, a lot of teamwork involved. A lot of it you can't do solo, which I think is a huge factor into making a good raid, right? That's why I actually think Volta Glass is better than Crota's End, right? Volta Glass, you need other people to help, right? With the sync plates in the beginning, there's no way to actually hold all three sync plates. If there is, I'm sorry, send me a YouTube link just so I can see it, because I will be impressed. Hit that like button and subscribe, just because that's some crazy shit if you can do that, right? But with the sync plates in the beginning, Right, it's very cool where you actually have to split your team up. Right, there's it's groups of two. I mean, you can branch off. You can have badasses that are, I can solo this, bro. Just let me go, man. Help them up at mid. Right, whatever. But you have to have different people at different stations. Right, they have to hold off the enemies coming in. You got minotaurs coming in. Um, you got a bunch of different vex just coming at you. Right, hobo globins. Right, everybody's least favorite enemy. Correct, right? What is that shield they put up? Give us some, give us an exotic gun that can shoot through that bitch, right? Seriously, it's annoying. Anyways, I digress. Um, but after you control the place for a certain amount of time, you build up the spire, right? Then this huge circular door slowly begins to open, right? Then as a group, you guys go back in. Uh, you travel through the caves like I was stressing earlier. It's really cool because it doesn't give you a direction to go. Right? So once you get down, you see kind of the, the floating platforms. Once you get over there, you hop across. Then you're on this big pedestal up in the air, right? Um, this big ledge that you're on, you see, you look down, almost a ceremonial area, right? As a group of six, you're like, fuck this, I'm gonna jump down there, we're gonna run shop, right? Break out our gallahorns, everything. You get down there, then the Templar comes up. You're like, holy crap, this guy's huge. This huge boss comes over with this circulating shield around him, starts just summoning enemy after enemy, and just droves of them are coming after you. But you know what? They're not just drawn to you, right? They're drawn to the spire in the middle of the map, right? Once you figure that out, oh, we got to protect this, right? You split up your fire team, get at different angles, um, break off into little different um, se sections, right? So you can actually pick off the enemies without being lumped into one so if trouble does happen in one area and a person gets wiped out no big deal right the rest of your team is going to jump in and help out uh, once you finish that then you got those two spires on each side as well right save those it's even more split up so it's even more stressful for those little smaller fire teams um and then exact it amplifies after that right after you have the two smaller fire teams, then you're split up into three even smaller fire teams, right? With a lot of action coming to each level, right? You get your two left and right. That left one is a bitch to hold, right? That's probably the hardest one with that long staircase and those minotaurs just teleporting down the stairs. Teleporting, teleporting, right? Sending up <coughs> sending up the um, his legions. Once he summons those legions, right? Those exploders, um, it's almost cursed through all times ten. Right? Those guys are freaking angry little beasts. But once you do that, right? Then, ah, easy. I mean, the hard part's done, right? No. 
right? Now, there's a relic that appears, right? A different kind of aspect of the game that hasn't been introduced yet, which is only introduced now, right? So now the learning curve begins. We pick it up, what do we do with it, all right? Once it charges up, okay, what do I do? This guy, I can't do any damage to him, so let's fire the special at him, right? Once the special hits him, oh, shield's down. This is when we do damage, right? So now you have the one player that's gonna take the shield down, rest of the team, DPS, right? But if that was all it was, easy day, right? But now there's ads all over the place attacking you as well. So now the fire team's trying to kill the ads. The guy with the shield, I mean, the relic is killing ads as well, trying to build that super up. Um, then, mark a negation, right? What is that? Uh, it's going to instantly kill you if you remain marked, right? The only way to unmark yourselves, boom, pop that bubble on the shield, cleanses everybody, right? So there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects going on there. You got the DPS of the Templar himself. Um, you got the relic holder that has to actually be in charge of taking the shield down um, and actually cleansing the group as well, right? So there's a whole bunch of different aspects moving all at once right there, which makes that one of the more fun boss fights in the game, right? After you take him down, you're just in a big empty room, right? You're, where do we go next, right? Oh, there's a hole to go straight down the middle, right? You can go throughout the caverns there. The door, big door opens, um, but there's also that cool little part where you can go get the little spirit bloom um, chest and actually crawl through the caves to go down, right? Once you get down there, and there's a bunch of big drops, and it's one of the most fun things to actually watch new folks do because they try to go a little bit too fast, and boom, ankles are broken when they hit, right? And they're dead, right? They got all... They, they gotta wait for that revive before you get down there. Ah, beautiful exotic chest at the bottom, right? Um, once you're down there, the bitch of the Gorgon Maze, right? Experienced players, easy to kind of get through that thing, but you're always gonna have that one guy who's like, oh, I got it, yeah, don't worry about it, I've done this a million, shit, Gorgon Gaze, right? Don't rush through it, right? Make sure your team's together, right? There's a lot of timing involved here. Um, the Gorgons are set up uh, strategically where they see different parts, right? You just kind of got to maneuver around them, right? Patience is key right there. Once you get through that maze, guys, the second most favorite probably part of the game for newer, newer folks to watch, right? The floating platform bridge, right? When people start jumping, oh, I can make this jump, oh, fuck and just over and over and over trying to make that jump and even if they make it across they usually fall too hard um, and end up dying anyways right that's it's funny to watch uh, it's fun just to bring new people through just to kind of watch that part and you can laugh at it because everybody has a destiny player who's gone through it has gone through that right even the best players in the world um, their first time through Vault of Glass guarantee you they died at the floating bridge guaranteed right and then once you get into the, the actually Chamber of Glass or um, the Volta Glass itself, right, where you're about to fight Atheon, um, the portals come out, right, where you get split up again, right? Teams of three get sent out into the portals, the relic comes into play again, oracles now, right? You saw those earlier in the uh, or earlier in the raid as well. So you know what to do with those, you know what to do with the relic. You clear one, you clear the other, then spires in the middle, right? There's a lot of different things going on. There's a lot of communication that needs to happen, right? A lot of games nowadays, um, they're fun, but they don't require communication, right? It might make it easier, but this game, you need communication. If you have a lot of people not doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's a shit show and you're going to die and you're just going to spend hours upon hours on this activity and you don't need to. 
right? So it, it's it's awesome in the fact that you need to communicate, you need to talk with your fire team. It builds that community aspect there. Now we got the big baddie, Atheon, right? Freaking just massive creature, the biggest thing you've fought in the game so far, right? Just stomping down the stairs, pissed off, shooting at the Guardians from freaking every angle. I mean, he is massive, coming down to fuck shit up, right? Then he's going to split your team up again, right? Where he's going he's gonna to split you into three and three, where he's going to send half of you away, and then the other half... They gotta open the portal so the actual team that got sent away can actually come back in, right? So it builds that team team effort again, where it can't be a solo effort. Um, then meet up together, do damage on that bad boy, right? Once you're all back together until the fight's over. Um, that's where the big loot happens. There, you get your raid gear, stuff like that. Um, but the Atheon fight and Vault of Glass as a whole is a phenomenal experience for first-time raiders, right? Especially. Um, rating as a first-person shooter, right? It has everything you could want, right? Um, complex bosses, um, requirement of teamwork, right? Also, requirement of a lot of big-time individual efforts, right? Next up, Guardian's gonna go over Crota's End, right? The second raid that was released for Destiny. Um, very cool in its own right, right? The initial descent down into Hellmouth is really cool. Um, the lamp section is really cool as well, right? Uh, you're navigating through the the labyrinth of darkness where you can't see anything, and if you're not next to a light, you start getting weighed down and getting slowed down as the creepy crawly thralls are coming out of the freaking woodworks coming after you, right? The freaking army of gnomes just bum-rushing you until you're done with this. Um, go from lamp to lamp, you get the darkness off, right? You got to really move it as, as a cohesive unit, right? So you don't set the, the next lamp off too soon, right? So there's teamwork involved there and into the end. Um, got to work together to kind of fight off the masses, uh, put down the ogre until that, that final bridge kind of builds up and you can just kind of scamper across, right? <clears throat> now, like I said, it stresses uh, teamwork to move from lamp to lamp, right, as a cohesive group, but you can solo it, right? I don't think end game activities should be soloable, right? You should have to have a full team go through it, or at least the majority of them, right? Um, anytime I run Crota's in now, um, I barely ever uh, run a legit anymore, just so it's a quick run nowadays. I do speed runs. Um, I usually just rock my Blade Dancer, get to that second lamp, right? Pop Blade Dancer and jump to that uh, that next level, right? And then all the thralls kind of despawn themselves. You put that one knight down, scamper to the end, activate the bridge, and all we're doing is just waiting for that ogre. And I mean, as a higher level, you can put the ogre down, right? And then just go across, and then your whole team can reap the rewards, right? But having that ability kind of ruined that raid in its own right, right? Because you could cheese it as they say right and that's what it is it just makes it quicker um it's less tedious you don't have to rely on anybody else if uh, you're pretty efficient with it then i mean you can get the uh, the abyss done pretty i mean the lamp section done pretty quickly right brings you into that next part right where teamwork is kind of um stressed on that one the abyss right where there's there's multiple sync plates and the annihilator totals will go off if you're not holding all the sync plates at one time you got to build the bridge and once the bridge is built then you got to take down that sword bear just so you can get across to kill the gatekeeper all right you also can't cross the bridge or that that chasm per se um, unless you have the actual sword in hand right but right idea behind it awesome 
right? You, a lot of teamwork seems like it should be involved, right? You send over one person at a time, slowly get more and more people onto the other side, then they do the exact opposite, build it on that side, still got to kill the gatekeeper, and then rock it back to this side, right? So, I mean, the concepts are there, right? There's a lot of teamwork that should be involved, but um, Blade Dancers, Void Walkers, we can just kill the Sword Bear, don't need anybody else in the raid, and jump across, right? We just blink strike across, sword swipe, and get to the other side, hide behind that left lamp, right? You just pop shot people until you clear the map, right? Ogres will come out, you can still just pop up, Galahorn, Galahorn, you know, Galahorn just eliminates everybody, right? But you can do it on your own, which is another kind of knock against Crota's end, right? It could be a lot cooler. I do not like the fact that you can do it solo, right? Even the next part, right? The Shrieker Corridor. It's a very tight, tight area. A lot of enemies. Um, the big boss streakers in the air, right? Just shooting big void bombs at you the whole time, right? Even if you kill them, then they got the Axiom Bolt Bombs coming after you to follow to kill you, even if you kill them, right? So there's a lot going on in a very confined space. But once again, you can just kind of blitz through it. Um, it doesn't take much strategy to get through that, guys. Um, I mean, it is kind of cool with that Indiana Jones aspect at the end where you got to try and make it in that door to get that little loot chest. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, still not a huge challenge, all right? Um, the Death Singer part, yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the more difficult parts of um, the raid itself. Ear you can be a pain in the ass, especially if she doesn't get her liturgy down and stop moving, right? She's supposed to stop moving, people, and when she doesn't, it screws the whole thing up. But, I mean... I mean, you could just go kill the wizard, kill the wizard, still have time, and then go kill your you by yourself, right? Gunslinger can get it done quick. Um, I've done it with every class. Uh, I've soloed Crota's Raid from beginning until end, right? I've even flawlessed it from beginning till end. Um, so, I mean, the wizard part, it's a little bit more difficult. There's a lot of enemies in the small rooms. Wizards can be kind of a bitch, but, I mean, it's doable, right? Especially with that new Celestial Nighthawk. You can put those wizards down real quick with precision damage. Um, once she starts singing, she doesn't move. Um, you can really just pop a couple Galahorns as well. I mean, Crota's End is pretty much just Galahorns, right? Galahorns and have somebody who's pretty adept at the game um, to maneuver their way through. Um, maybe if they had where you had to kill the two side witches at the same time to unlock your youth's chamber, maybe that'd be a little cooler, right? It adds a little bit more team aspect to it. Um, just a lot of room to improve um, in that stage as well as beforehand, right? Then once you get to Crota, right? The big boss man of the game. Um, pain in the ass mainly because of how glitchy it was and kind of still is. Um, teamwork makes it easier, but once again, you can solo the boss of the raid, which it it shouldn't happen, right? You just shouldn't be able to do that. I don't feel in an in-game activity where one individual can pretty much take down the boss. It just it it, it shouldn't happen, um, and you're able to do it hard or normal, um, especially with the level cap increase and the fact that they haven't increased the challenge of the raid itself. Um, you're just doing too much damage to him with the sword on every hit. I mean, the aspect's kind of cool, right? As a team, you gotta you gotta take him down. Right, you have one person that kills the sword bear, grabs the sword, and you start slicing dicing this fool with his own with his own weapon, right? Or w weapon per se, right? Because it's the sword of Crota. 
Um, and all you do is smash, 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 right? Other than that, it's just rinse, repeat over and over again. Um, nowadays, I mean, you get new Guardians coming in, they're never even going to know what the Ogre Room is, per se, on hard mode, right? They're never actually going to even get there because he's killable even at the hardest level in one to two swords tops, right? It just sh it shouldn't be that way. I feel like they really lost an opportunity with Crota Zen to make it a really advanced raid by allowing it to be or making it so that one person can go from beginning until end and clear the entire raid at its hardest difficulty, right? As a solo, as a solo guardian, you should have to be in a fire team. You should have to be able to work together um, and just have that different team aspect involved in it. And that's why I think Volta Glass is a superior raid over Crotazin. Crotazin's a lot shorter as well. It's a quick run through. Um, there's really cool and memorable parts. You'll always remember your first time in uh, the lamp section, um, crossing the bridge, uh, and actually going and taking Crota down on hard for the first time and getting that glow who shader, that, that sought after thing to get, right? I mean, you wear that in the tower, you look badass, like, holy crap, he cleared Crota heart, right? Now it's just. I mean, it's easy, right? It's a kind of a cakewalk nowadays. Before we get into the Prison of Elders and the rest of the House of Wolves endgame content, I'm going to pause for a second for station identification, right? Give, give a couple plugs out. Twitch.tv backslash joysticks and barbells to check me out on Twitch, guys. I live stream every day starting 11 a.m. Eastern time. Check me out on Instagram as well, joysticks and barbells. And review the podcast, right? Uh, drop a like on it, subscribe it, download it. Um, but just let me know what you think about it, right? It's just the first week, going to steadily be improving each week after this, guys. Like I said, it's going to be a weekly release, all Destiny content, everything going on um, in the world of Destiny. GNN Guardian News Network. GNN Guardian News Network. Up next, guys, we got the Prison of Elders from the House of Wolves expansion. Prison of Elders is one of the in-game contents that it does offer. Um, it's a arena-based dungeon, right? There's different different stages. Um, we got Hive, Fallen, Vex, um, and then the Cabal stage, right? So all the enemies are accounted for on each stage there. Um, <clears throat> each one, I mean, we have it's match made as well at level 28, and then 32, 34, and 35 are more your in game content where you have to have your fire team. It's only a three this time, right? So the previous expansion in the vanilla Destiny game came out with in game that consisted of ha having to have a six man fire team, right? So this is the first one where it's in three man fire teams. Um, there's a lot of action going on on these, um, it's, a, it's a pretty good challenge um, initially. Um, I thought it got a little repetitive after a while, right? I, I was not the biggest fan of Prison of Elders. Um, each round has a random set of modifiers um, for 28. 32, 34, and 35 are going to be preset at the beginning of the reset week, so that would be Tuesday. Round modifiers um, you have to deal with are Airborne. Uh, the players deal more damage in the air. Um, Brawler. Player melee attacks are more powerful. Catapult, where your recharge of your grenade is increased. Exposure, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, you have an overshield, but it doesn't replenish, right? Grounded, um, you take more damage while you're in the air. So grounded and airborne are sometimes coupled together where you can jump and do more damage, but you're also going to get blasted while being in the air. Small arms, being your primary weapons are more powerful. Specialist, special weapons are more powerful. Then trickle, one of the more annoying ones in my mind, right? Where your super abilities, um, 
melee ability as well as your grenade ability just take forever right a little sandlot reference right there but they take forever to freaking recharge um the maps are pretty much clear the clear the wave after wave after wave and then you move forward some have a little critical objective to it where you can destroy the splinter mines where they appear around the arena and you can you can actually shoot them and destroy them within 30 seconds um, you can defuse the mines where you actually have to hold the point and control that zone for 30 seconds. Uh, you have 30 seconds to eliminate it that way. Or they give you a target that tries to move from point A to point B. Right? He's trying to escape the arena, you have to kill him before that happens. Um, some bonuses that you can get as well in Prison of Elders, you can get the Scorch Cannon, uh, which is introduced into the House of Wolves as well, where you, uh, you get it during the Wolves Are Prowling. Um, it's just it's an explosive shelled um, rocket launcher, right? It's kind of like a little mini rocket launcher. Um, helps dispose of the enemies pretty pretty easily, right? Heavy ammo crates as well, where it's almost unlimited heavy ammo for a little while, which is pretty money, right? So you don't have to wait for your heavy heavy ammo synth to re recoup after you've used it. Um, you don't have to wait for that cooldown, right? Some some of them have bosses, right? We got Ghoul Rot the Unclean. Calyx Reborn, Kodron the Gate Lord, Erox the Flame Prince, and Valus Tarog, right? And then the big baddie of them all, Skolas, the Kell of Kells. Now to go into a little detail of what these, what each of these bosses have to offer, right? Nothing super special across the board, right? Gulrot the Unclean um, releases that bile into the air when his stomach churns. Um, very similar to those web, web traps that House of Wolves also introduced, also kind of like being trapped in the uh, mist that the wizards release, right? So, I mean, other than slowing you down, that's a very clean-cut fight. Um, DPS them, deal with the slowed-down versions, right? Urox the Flame Prince, um, kind of a cool cool introduction to a new ability here where it actually lights the entire arena floor on fire. So you and your you and your fire team are going to have to find a way to stay airborne for as long as possible until that dissipates. Right? So that's kind of a new aspect to it. It's kind of cool. But once again, then it's just focus fire right on him. Right? Calyx Reborn. Big bullet sponge servitor. Right? Holy crap. Kind of annoying and at first when you don't really understand what he is you're like, why does his health never seem to go down, or why, how is it recharging, right? Because there's actually fallen ether dregs that are going to actually sacrifice themselves to rejuvenate his health, right? So you got to kill them before he consumes them and replenishes his health, right? So if you take care of those adds, then you're able to kill him without him re-upping re his health, right? Kodron, the Gate Lord. Oh, he's a pain in the ass, right? This is one of the cooler boss fights, though, just because he hits you with a detainment field very similar to what the, the Templar has, and you're going to die in there if you don't get out, right? It's very hard. It takes a lot of damage to break this thing. The only way to really get out of it easily is by killing the Eye of the Gate Lord. It's a um, white minion that he sends out. Um, you have one person kill him, then you get the Jailbreaker buff bonus damage that you do right on the on the shield itself so you can actually break your guardians out very quickly that way right uh, Lord of Wolves right there also dominates which is one of the cool exotics that came from House of Wolves um, next we got Valus Tarag uh, 
pretty much just another bullet sponge cabal enemy, right? Uh, he's a big mean, big mean uh, cabal coming at you. Rockets flying everywhere, stomping the ground. You get the little scions everywhere. But the difference on him is that when his shield regenerates, it actually comes back as a different elemental shield, right? So you always got to keep that in mind, what he actually has active. Um, there's some flip-flopping around there, but nothing too crazy, right? Last, Skolas, the Kel of Kells, the big nasty of the expansion, right? He's a big teleporting <laughs> monster, right? Comes at you quick, firing his Scorch Cannon at all, at all costs. Um, you can't really do damage to him at first, right? Why? Because you got to break his bonds initially by killing these two little servitors. Um, once you kill the servitors, you can DPS him until he reaches a certain point. At that point in time, the bonds will break. Then you don't have to worry about killing the servitors to actually do damage. Once that actually ends, though, phase two of the fight begins, right? He then poisons you, right? And you have to continuously flip-flop who holds the essence, right? You get about 30 seconds uh, to hold it. If you're still holding it, you're dead. You can't pass back to the same person, so you're going to have to pretty much have all three of your fire team alive, right? It doesn't do damage to you. It's just going to kill you immediately if you have it as time runs out, right? So as long as you have good communication on your team, um, can switch it when need be, have a set time, always be paying attention where the timer is, then it's very seamless transitions to get it from person to person, right? From there, all you're doing is moving from every nook and cranny of the map doing DPS to him until either either um, critical objective pops up or you put the big badass down, right? So nothing crazy. I mean, it's kind of a cool raid boss fight. Um, it's a pain in the ass, especially when they had burns on. Um, arc burn was insane. Uh, solar burn was insane. But... One of the cool things when it did have solar burn, you could put that motherfucker down really quick initially with Gallahorns from your whole team, right? Then they they soon after nerfed that, so there was no actual burn modifiers on it, but you still had all the kind of the other uh, round modifiers on it, like the airborne brawler, catapult exposure, all those new ones that were introduced with Princeton of Elders. Next up, I'm gonna quickly go over the PvP endgame. Um, actually, my favorite aspect of Prison of Elders, and one of my favorite aspects of the game, right? The Trials of Osiris, right? It's a three-man fire team. You have to have, a, have to have a fire team. You can't go in match-made, so you gotta know who you're going in there with. And then, it's skirmish, right? It's very team-oriented. Um, once you eliminate the team, they're done, right? A round is over, first to five wins. They got a heavy round in there, which I could do without. But, I mean, it, it just screams competitive gaming to me, right? It's awesome. It's what a lot of online shooters should strive to be, right? It's, I mean, your hands get sweaty. It focuses at an all-time high. Every little movement, right, can either pay off big or ruin it for your team, right? If you kind of stray away from the group a little bit, get picked off, you just fucked your team, right? You got to stay together. You gotta work together, you gotta know the different angles, you gotta know, oh, if I was on the other side and I had a sniper, I could hit me where I'm at right now, right? You gotta understand the little nooks and crannies of the map itself, know where to attack from, have strategies, have strategies to counteract their strategies, as well as if your strategy doesn't work, what to do next? If you just go in there guns blazing, unless the other team is just straight horrible, it's not gonna work out, right? Uh, you get different tiered rewards for as many wins as you get within it. 
Um, if you actually make it all the way to the end and get nine wins without losing, you get flawless victory, right? One of the coolest achievements in the game thus far. Um, it opens up actually a new world for you to even go to, Mercury, the lighthouse. Uh, when you get there, it's cool. It's a neat little cinematic when you fly in. I mean, it's, it's a very big feeling of accomplishment within the game itself, right? Once you get there, that's where you get your top-tier rewards of the actual House of Wolf expansion, some of those elemental primaries and, and whatnot, your etheric lights so you can upgrade others, um, and, some, and some other solid gear and some chances at, at exotics, right? Brother Vance is uh, your go-to guy at the Reef to talk to for Trials of Osiris. Um, he gives you different boons to start off with. You start with a passage card. Um, once you get three losses as well, you're out, which is really cool, right? So if you lose too much, go back to the Reef and you gotta, you gotta rethink some things before you go right back in it, right? The boons he has, you can start with a win. Uh, you can get granted a mercy, so if you do end up losing one, you know what? Calls it calls it a wash. So he'll give you that one, right? So it doesn't ruin your card if you just run into a, a, a team of sweaty tryhards there at the end. Right? I love those terms. Um, also, the boon the boon to get two wins. Right? You can start off if you get the win. You're betting. If you're a betting man, got that boon. Boom. Two wins off the bat. If you had the favor as well, boom. Start with three for one. Right? You can't beat that. But, I mean, it's a great PvP aspect to the game. A little sad they're getting rid of it here right when 2.0 drops, but I know they're coming back out with it at the end of the year. And that brings us to a close of our initial show, guys. Um, thank you for listening. I know it's a long-winded effort, a little over 45 minutes. I'm trying to keep it to around 45 for each episode. Um, before I get, go off, next episode, guys, we'll really be delving into the 2.0 update, um, all the different nerfs, buffs that they have for the different weapons, um, the new light levels, the new XP levels, um, a lot of the new stuff that they're adding there and with the 2.0, right? Got a lot of kick-ass shaders as well, huge into aesthetics myself, so pumped for that as well. Um, also be going into all Taken King hype, um, all that type of news as well. Remember, joysticks and barbells on Twitch, so twitch.tv backslash Joysticks and Barbells, Instagram as well, Joysticks and Barbells. GNN, Guardian News Network. I can tell you with my brain. I can tell you with my brain. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? You really adopted the dark. I was born in it. GNN, Guardian News Network.